everyone, welcome back to another episode of Explain It Slowly. Da -da -da -dun -dun -dun. No, that's a different one. Oh, that's a which one is it? I don't know. I, the one I just made up. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, you've had another another uh, birthing class, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and apparently I'm supposed to know a bunch of stuff that you, they taught you in that birthing class, so that way I can support you as your spouse. <laughs> Correct? Yeah. So please... Tell me, what am I supposed to know as your spouse? Uh, so so this one was a two day class, and it was like, who like six hours over like five and a half to six hours long. Please compress to five and a half to six minutes. <laughs> My so, feeble male brain cannot take that much. <laughs> so uh, so the first one was labor delivery, and the second one is like prepare for childbirth. But they kind of go hand in hand because, like, you know, you need to know what the process is like and mm -hmm. then how to prepare yourself so that when you are in that situation, like, what do you do? You know what to expect. You know what to expect. It's not like in, like, you rush the hospital right away, that kind of idea, right? Yeah, that's what they always make it seem like from, in, like, in, movies. In movies like, like, oh, the, the water, water broke. Yeah. Run to the hospital. <laughs> Get a taxi. Uh, I guess cause an accident. All of those things are okay, but it turns out there's like not a huge time pressure, right? Yeah, especially like for first time moms. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if it's your first time, and also like even if your water break there and you you call the hospital and you go in, or you go in and you don't call them, they're gonna t just turn you back home. They're like, you're not ready yet. Go home. Like go home for a couple days or a couple weeks until you're ready to give birth. So the whole point, the the whole thing, the idea is. When your water break, it's it's supposed to kick start the. That's the amniotic fluid leaking out of the sac, yeah, essentially, and right. in one go. Uh, no, it doesn't always do it in one go. Okay. So in movie, it's like a big gush, as if like you it's just a flood. It's a flood, but it's not that. It could trickle. It's, it's like on your phone. It says flash flood warning. Beep <laughs> beep. It's not that. It's not that. Okay. So it could trickle. It could you know run a lot but but the thing is that like since that that amniotic fluid is actually important to keep the baby safe and hydrated and hydrated and all that like your body will kind of replenish itself interesting in so it just way. continues to make more amniotic yeah. fluid uh so you need to stay hydrated basically cause... yeah okay yeah yeah, so so that's that's one thing. So it's it's more leaking rather than like it the depends. sac tears. Depend, depend, okay. and sometimes the sac does tear, but depending on how the sac tear as well, right? Because you're you're at the point where you have a cervix. So imagine sort of like a V shape kind of thing, mm -hmm. and then the baby's head at this point by or near the near the time where the water breaks. By this point, the baby has already like started sinking through into the cervix and depending on how the baby breaks the baby's head in a way is sort of like the plug at the same time so if the sack is broken above the baby's head you might not get that much liquid coming out but if it's broken under like underneath, underneath the baby's head you're gonna get a lot more but then the baby's head also is gonna be like act as a plug mm -hmm. kind of like seal off that so you might just get a little trickle but the idea is once when when your water breaks it's like okay your body is preparing for labor but what is labor you know labor is an intense process it's not like your water break in the movies and then like 
you're in pain and you're like rushing to the hospital and then you end up delivering the taxi or whatever. It's not like that. It could take weeks before you actually can deliver the baby. Like water breaks doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's just kickstart the process. Your water could break weeks before your your body's even ready to so false expel, alarm, guys. <laughs> expel the baby out. Interesting. So it, it, it is really interesting. Um, is the baby's head always like in that position? Like why? Why do they just know to like flip themselves to to use yeah. their head as a, as a cork? <laughs> well, the so. As the baby grows, you know, it could be in any direction, any position, right? Because it's tiny. But then over time, the baby's head will be the biggest or the heaviest of the entire body. So then with gravity, it will automatically start to flip itself upside down. So as long as you don't do handstands, the baby's in the right position. I mean, you can do handstand. It's just... Well, as long as it's not a yeah, daily occurrence. you're not walking on your hands only, right? And, and honestly, like, if you are, like, in your third trimester pregnancy, and then, like, you're still handstanding, like, good for you, I you gotta guess. keep up those biceps. <laughs> but, yeah. So there's that. When the water breaks doesn't mean anything and then the next thing could be like oh okay your your body can go into like contraction state right Mm -hmm. and their um contraction also doesn't mean that you're about to have a baby you need to hit a certain um there there's a sort of like a guideline that you can follow so there's also something called braxton hicks contraction before we get to that a contraption is contraction is your uterus and your like cervix, it's squeezing. It's but it's, it, it doesn't squeeze like from 100% to 0%. No, you're, it's spasming spasms. in a okay. way. Like cramps. You're getting mm-hmm. really, really strong cramps in the lower part of your pelvis pretty much. Like mm-hmm. really strong. But it doesn't mean that you're going to go into labor as well. <clears throat> Which is why there's like labor when you, th- when, when you think about it. It could be like you, when people say they go into labor, it's like. It could be like a day's process of laboring, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's also something called Braxton Hicks uh, contraction, which means it's false uh, contraction or false they labor. They named it after that person. I don't know who that person is. They kept but... lying. It's like the the, the, the uh, person who cried wolf. Sure. But um, it, it, it's the same thing as normal contraction, but it's not as regular. Mm-hmm. Right, and this is just your body preparing for childbirth, so it starts to do the spasm thing, you know, and it could start like months in advance. It could start weeks in advance, you know, before your your baby is ready. So, um, for you to really know whether you're in labor or not, is your contraction needs to be consistent. And there's this rule where it's like the five one one rule. Where your contractions needs to be the start of one contraction to the next contraction needs to be about like five minutes apart. Mm-hmm. So it's usually like three to five minutes apart, and then each time the contraction needs to last about a minute. So the contract lasting a minute is not like it's pulsating for a minute. It's it gets tense and the 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 cramp lasts. The cramp minute. lasts like about a minute. Okay, like. <gasps> You're you're at the point where so it's like, like excruciating hiccups, pain, pain. It's like the worst kind of hiccup. <laughs> I don't know. Are hiccups painful? Yeah, they're they are like spasms of your diaphragm. So I guess yeah, but to, these are hiccups I, I don't to think, the uterus. Yeah, uterine hiccups. Sure, and and they need to be. And the whole 
thing needs to be at least one hour long. Mm -hmm. So like you're going through this every five minutes, one at, one minute at a time, but for at least an entire hour. So if it if it just like eases up towards the thirty minute mark, then it's not. Then ready it's yet. not ready yet. It's still practicing. In a way, yeah. But you're getting towards yeah, yeah. that mark, and it's only until you hit the five one one rule mm -hmm. that you, when you call the hospital, then they will admit you. Mm -hmm. And not every place will admit you earlier, there because space is scarce, right? And then also with COVID and stuff like that, they're they're not going to just take anybody, you know. And so you need to be at the right condition. And then also when you go in. They'll also, even if you have those type of contractions, like when you go in, um, they also need to check your cervix, how, how long it has, um, thin out and, uh, spaced out. Right. Mm -hmm. And you need to be 10 centimeters for you to give birth. Right. And that's, it that's, needs to open up. It's not yeah, magically yeah, yeah. going to drop a baby. Yeah. Right? Well, it's you need to be, yeah. So, so like by the time you get to. Uh, the 511 rule, you're pretty much more or less might be in the active labor phase. And at that point, you are between like maybe five to eight like centimeter apart. Mm -hmm. And a lot of places will only admit you if you are around that. So like maybe around five, they're like, okay, we can admit you. But if you're not, they'll, they can, they'll just send you back home. And then they were like, come back or call back when you are, you know, like this much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, uh, and then of course, like there's painkillers for it, right? I mean, a lot of people go no painkiller and I, 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 like, good for them, but I'm going to want those epidural, you know. And epidural is something that they, it's a it's medication where they will inject it into your spine, so your lower back, and they will numb from the waist down. So then you won't feel anything. But while you are giving birth, you will feel slight a, a slight pressure, but you're not in excruciating pain to the point where, you might pass out. Like mm -hmm. it's really painful, full apparently, and I'm sure it will be. So like the 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 medication will numb you. Mm -hmm. But the the problem with the medication is that it will take some time for it to kick in, and then of so course you need to take it early enough. You but need not to have early. it early. Well, I guess by the time they admit you, you are like halfway through the labor stage, and you are you know, halfway there, right? So then getting an epidural at that point will just help ease the pain because, you know, it, just because you're admitted doesn't mean you're still ready, you're ready to push the baby out yet because you still need to get to 10 centimeter, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that can take hours. That can take 24 hours. That can take 48 hours, depending on like your body because, and especially for first time moms, like your body is still learning and trying to figure it out. Like it could take days, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of idea. So, which is why they don't want to admit you until they know that you are ready to push mm -hmm. or close to it. Because if labor can take days, they don't have time to like, they don't have space to have you there for days, mm -hmm. you know. So the epidural will help with the pain. But the problem is they say that since everything gets numb and everything slows down, um, it will make the labor process longer. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And also during the pushing process, it will be even longer as well because you're kind of numb. You don't really feel as much, so you're not really like, I guess, like not really able to just do it as well. I guess in a way. So I mean, it's recommended that anyone who gets an epidural for and as a first time mom, there they are allow about up to four hours of pushing time. Mm-hmm. And then after the four hours, if the mom is still doing fine, the baby is doing fine. Doing fine meaning like heart rate and everything. All the vitals are still mm-hmm. good. Not asphyxiated or anything. Yeah, not a stress or like you start, you know, having problems or anything like that. Then it's up to the mom whether she wants to continue to push or not. Otherwise, she they will then get you, uh, give you a cesarean mm-hmm. or a C-section. Got it. So there's that. Yeah. And, and and to be clear, uh, like a lot of people might think, like, why why do humans have so much trouble, and why do animals seem to have it easy? Uh, they don't. It's just we don't know their pain. Well, no, for the for most part, it's a lot easier. Oh, uh, and it all has to do with the fact that we've evolved big heads uh, to house big head big brains. But but a lot of these animals, like. They're not coming out as like a useless little baby. They come out as like a fully grown, uh, like. Well, no, they're not fully grown, but they're fully functional. Yeah. Like, okay. a, a, and uh, a giraffe pops out within an hour or two. It's walking. Yeah. A uh, human pops out. It's not walking for another six months. Yeah. It's like barely moving for several months, and it turns out this is the earliest that this is the latest that you your body can keep growing that child before it gets too big to never come out of you Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense yeah um whereas most animals like the brain gets to a point where it is fully functional and the rest of the body is fully functional way earlier like you see monkeys and apes give birth the child is very small compared to the parent it just pops out and the first thing it does is it crawls and hangs on to the parent um and it turns out that's one of the only instincts that we still have as humans is we will grab on as if we needed to grab on to our mother father's back hair to like stay with them and not fall off mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's because we got big brain because we've evolved big brains over the over the years the many many years uh that giving birth is such a arduous process and it's thanks to modern medicine that it's a relatively safe process otherwise it it wasn't always very safe. Mm-hmm. Like you're either capable of giving birth to a lot of kids or you're not. And lots of people did not have uh, parents like up until very recent times. Okay. So uh, you get to the point where you have pretty much you're ready to deliver the baby and your cervix is dilated enough for the baby's head and shoulders and butt to to pass through. Um like, we're hoping at this point that the baby's head is first, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the ideal position where everything else just kind of comes out. Because it seems like the baby's not just flailing their arms. It's all, like, a bundle, right? I mean, it depends. I don't know. The the I mean, you're hoping that the baby's head is the first thing that comes out. Because, I mean, you could damage the baby's, like, extremities by it, you know coming leg feet first right but Mm -hmm. often you're being monitored like they know they will know what position the baby is in by the time you deliver because and if it's not they will try to 
physically sometimes like massage, you to massage your stomach to help rotate that. And if that doesn't work, like you have to do a C-section because there's no way they're going to risk you having a vaginal delivery mm. if the baby is not in the right position. Yeah, like feet first is a bad idea because the arms can get stuck. And break. Um, and break, yeah. And then, of course, you know, you will damage your nervous system at the neck, right? And then they will become paralyzed or even dead. Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. There's that. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, there is a soft part, and that is their skull. Like, the skull bones did not fully fuse. Yeah. Um, so it's actually quite... And it's uh, on purpose. Flexible, it's right? on purpose. So that, way they so can that... Fit. exactly, yeah. And then, of course, with gravity and the position that you you are going to be in, you know, often you're not really lying straight on your back because by lying on your spa- your back, you are uh, compressing. You have your... to do all the work by pushing, right? Yeah, but no, it's not just that. It's like you are compressing your um, your pelvis. And what is that tailbone, the tailbone section? Like, Mm -hmm. that tailbone section, like, can give, like, an inch or two, right? So if you are lying straight on your back, you are compressing that tailbone, like, so then you're not giving the baby enough space. So often when when you go into labor, there are multiple uh, positions that you can do it in, right? Um, Of course, if you are medicated, doing the epidural, you are not in the position to really like stand up and have a a because everything is numb right yeah everything is numb so when you get an epidural the thing is that like every half hour or so the spouse or the nurse will need to come in even when you're not ready to deliver yet Mm -hmm. they need to come in and constantly rotate you Mm -hmm. that way you're not kind of like you're not uncomfortable or blocking any arteries and veins exactly so then there's that um but most of the time you're kind of like you're in you're you're in like a a recline position where you're kind of on your back but you're not flat on your back and a lot of time delivery is that way but you can also deliver in like a water pool like a bat like a bathtub or you can deliver um on your knees So normally a lot of people, especially if you don't have like epidural, you can deliver on your knees. So like you're, you, they normally would use like a sort of like a, uh, a yoga ball. Mm -hmm. So you would place the yoga ball in front of you and you're going to kneel in front of it with your, like your body and your arm resting, your chest sort of like resting on the yoga ball. And then you can deliver that way as well. And apparently from what they were saying in the class, like often people who do home birth tend to deliver in that position. So a lot of the doctors or the nurses or the midwife who deliver are used to receiving the baby from that position. But when you're in the hospital, doctors don't often do that position because a lot of people are on their back so then they're kind of used to receiving the baby the other way around interesting so it's really it's really funny but there's also that you can also deliver if you have an epidural they say you can use sort of like an exercise bar so you'll be on the bed sort of like in a squatting position and you hold yourself up and then they give you like a metal bar in front of you and you kind of like hold yourself up and when you are ready to push, you're kind of, like, grabbing onto the bar that's in front of you. And then you, like, the motion of, like, sort of, like, doing, pulling yourself towards the bar. And then that will help with the, you know, the... So there's many positions. You can also do it on the side. 
So lying down, but lying on your side. And then, of course, one leg is up, you know. I, I guess uh, an obvious <clears throat> question or something that's coming to mind is could an epidural be dangerous for the mother? Because it sounds like it, it cuts off all feeling. Like, could that be permanent? Is is it, like, 100% safe or... Yeah, it's pretty safe. The epidural, once once labor is over, like, they're going to reduce that, you know? You're going to have a lot of, like, things that are going on down there that needs to be fixed or things like that. But the problem with the epidural sometimes is it can prolong the process of labor. And that's you because... you don't feel anything, right? You one and you don't feel anything, but also it decreases the oxytocin level in your body. And oxytocin has it's it's the chemical in the body that can, that puts you gives you contraction that puts you in that labor process. So by having the epidural, it kind of slow that level down. So which is why labor becomes a lot longer. But I mean, every procedure, everything that they put in you, there's risks, right? Mm-hmm. But it's better than, I mean, I, I think the risk, the the benefit will, probably, um, to me, the benefit definitely is going to outweigh the risk, right? Like, the pain is not going to be what I want to experience. But there are things like you can, like, develop fever. Also, when you have a an epidural and you're completely numb, they have to put a catheter in you. That way you can pee mm-hmm. or empty your bladder because you don't feel anything anymore. So, therefore... Just sneeze. Just sneeze. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, it, I mean, it could affect your blood pressure, your heart, the heart rate, you know, it slows labor down and affects your ability to push. So then often what you end up with is you might get a hemorrhoid because you're pushing so much, but you're not feeling what you're pushing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just pushing. pushing. The wrong thing. Yeah. It, it's not that you're pushing the wrong thing. It's just you're overdoing it because you're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you can get a lot. The tears that you end up getting can be even more worse because you're not feeling anything. You can get hemorrhoids. You know, but like, there's no like risk of paralysis. No, it it will pass like after like a few hours. Once okay. once labor is done and then they they lower the dosage, like it's it's fine. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so at this point, baby pops out. Uh, but they're still kind of connected via their umbilical cord, right? Yeah. And then once the baby comes out, um, it's recommended that they do something called delay cord clamping. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that uh, since the placenta is what supplies nutrients and blood to the and baby. Oxygen. Yeah. You want to... And and when you deliver, the there's still a lot of blood in that umbilical cord. So you want to uh, delay clamping that that way the baby can get as much of the resources that is still left into its body before you clamp and cut the umbilical cord Mm -hmm. and it's recommended for like from one to three minutes that you delay that clamping okay yeah yeah because it's the baby's blood that's in the umbilical cord Mm -hmm. all the way up to the placenta so yeah uh, that's for a small thing it's a fairly large amount of their body that's external to them yeah, and then once once the the cord is cut and then the baby is handed to the mom to do the skin to skin and I think we might have like mentioned this in one of our previous uh pregnancy videos, but 
if I didn't, the, the skin to skin is recommended is because uh, when the baby is in the womb, you know, it's a closed, dark, cozy space. And when it's born and exposed to this like bright room, this cold, this sterile place, it, it can be very uh, shocking to the baby. So by doing skin to skin, the baby can sort of like be put into a more secure place where the baby can feel the mom's warmth the mom's heartbeat and kind of like not put it into much shock so the mm -hmm. skin to skin is very important yeah and then also during that process if the mom is ready or knows how to breastfeed they will ask you do you want to try breastfeeding for the first time and babies when they're born they have a natural instinct to gravitate towards the breast for their feeding <laughs> mm -hmm. so by doing the skin to skin it also gives the baby a chance to like where's my milk you know <laughs> searching for it and if whenever the baby is on the mom's chest it will instinctively try to look for the breast. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it's just no. It it's just no. So like instinctively to look for it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So that's the skin to skin. And then of course after the labor, you still have to deliver the placenta, right? Because mm -hmm. the placenta is attached to your uterus. So it detaches on its own, right? Uh, it's not like something you yank. <laughs> they kind of do a little bit of yanking, a little bit of light tugging. A little. Mm -hmm. I mean. With also medication that they're going to give you to help the uterus contract or to help the uterus, uh, what's it called, shrink back down. Mm -hmm. And all of that whole process, including with the whole slightly tugging on the placenta, it will start to separate. And it's usually within like 30 minutes that you can get rid get the placenta out. Mm -hmm. but yeah. And do not ask to keep it. There's no like health benefits. I don't think they'll let you. Well, hopefully. Hopefully they won't let you. Not but... not a lot of places let you keep because it's an actual organ mm -hmm. and like, you know, illegal disposal of like human anatomy is not great. Not good. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and then uh, like oftentimes they, they ask the father, hey, do you want to cut the umbilical cord so that way they can be part of the process? Because up until then, they're like, do your best. Go, go. Yeah. Mother, you I mean, got this. <laughs> yeah, you're not really cheerleading. Like, it's an intense process. Like, it's not the time for jokes, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, like the mom is going to be in so much pain that, like... So, so I, I guess I'll ask, like, what the role of the father or a partner uh, for for the mother who's giving birth is. But at the end, like, if they do ask to cut the umbilical cord, like... Do you essentially have the power to decide if the kid is going to have an Audi or an Innie? I don't think so. I think it's just depend on... You don't decide. They will clamp where they need to clamp and mm -hmm. where they think the clamping should be. They will clamp everything, get it ready, and all you need to do is snip where they want you to snip. Mm -hmm. You don't get to decide what to do with it. Well, I guess the, the thing that I was getting to is where you cut has nothing to do with where the belly button ends up. I don't think because so because the umbilical cord it falls like dries off. off and falls off. Yeah, within yeah. a few days. So it, it doesn't, mm -hmm. which I didn't know. I didn't know it, it like shriveled up and it will fall off. Mm -hmm. I thought they would cut it really close and then it will dry and then it will just like, if they cut too far out, then you have an Audi because it didn't shrink all the way or I, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So... 
I mean, yeah, for... it, it 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 dries up, it turns black or something, and then it just falls off. Yeah, because it's it, interesting. It, it basically becomes tainted tissue uh, from the baby's point of view. Um, and most animals, like if you ever seen a cat give birth, they bite the thing. You know, it's not like they have scissors, so it's it's not the the cleanliest of cuts. Uh, so you don't necessarily want that being the cauterized wound. Um, so it's good that it gets kind of sectioned off with enough flesh in between to kind of give some some protection. Mm-hmm. I mean, the father's role, I think, is important, especially if you don't, you're not hiring, like, a doula. Or, a doula is someone who, like, has experience in this type of field where they can give you encouragement. They can advocate for you mm-hmm. with the hospital in terms of... Tell you of, how to be more comfortable. Yeah, they'll teach you how to be comfortable. But, but pretty much they are your voice. Mm-hmm. They will help advocate for you based on what you want and your wishes and what they think or what you and them have decided is best for you and the baby. Because mm-hmm. often not all the hospitals will do these type of things. Like like the epidural is optional. They don't they won't offer it to you unless you ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas a lot of hospitals Doing the skin to skin is something they automatically do. You know, doing the delay cord clamping is something that they automatically do. But it doesn't mean that you can't ask them to just to be sure that they actually do that, right? There's mm-hmm. no harm in just speaking your mind, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is your body and your baby in the end. Yeah. So unless you have a doula, someone who actually is going to be there to advocate for you, the father or, partner. or the partner or the father or whoever or your spouse pretty much is going to be that stand-in person. And it's important that you and that partner sort of like come up with a game plan in terms of, like, once you go into labor... Because anything can happen, you know? Like, I may go, go into labor, and I'm quite alert, and I'm, like, you know, can talk, and all of a sudden, like, something happens, I go into shock, and then my my heart start giving out or something. They might need to put me down. They might need to do, like, an emergency C-section. Not put you down. No, but, like, <laughs> put, me to, put me to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, give me, you know, have to do, like, emergency section where I won't be al- awake for the process or whatever. Then it's up to the partner to then advocate for what it is, what is best for me, right? Mm-hmm. So the spouse or whoever is, like, it's it's important to have someone there. And it's not about, like, cheerleading. You're not there really to cheerlead, <laughs> which I'm a bit nervous because you have a tendency of, like, kind of, like, throwing out jokes when situations get uncomfortable, things like that. And I'm like, I kind of don't want that when I'm, into, when I'm in labor, you know what I'm saying? And, like... I'll quietly give you a hand to squeeze to death. Yeah, there, there's that, but there's also, like, offering encouragement, sort of, like, you got this, man, or maybe I'm in so much pain that, like, I'm not thinking straight, and this is where you step in, and you're like, maybe it's time for you to start getting the epidural now since you've been delaying it, or, you know, like, help me, like, concentrate on my breathing, that kind of idea. So it's important that you learn all of these things that I'm also learning. That way, like, because when... When you're in so much pain, you're kind of like shut down and you're not really thinking that mm-hmm. far. Then this is when you need someone with a clear mind to step in and say like, okay, let's work on our breathing, you know. And then often what they would do is have that spouse start 
doing that motion and that breathing process and then the mom often will just mirror mirror that and and like you don't need to say say like breathe 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 like the moment you start doing it like the mom can start mirroring you so so your the spouse's um or the partner's um i guess like mental fortitude yeah or whatever and and like it's really important, you know, because they are the one that needs to be clear-minded, needs to be, you know, needs to know what to do in situations like that. Because, you know, yeah, gonna, it's a big role. You may think that you're not the one in labor, so it's okay. Like, you can just be there, but it's a big role. So, so I guess a quick question there. Uh, you, you plan on getting an epidural. Yeah. Uh, when do you plan on getting the epidural? While you're still, like, it doesn't hurt yet? Or are you waiting until the last possible moment? I, I, I don't know yet because it's my first time. Say it doesn't hurt yet, but you're, then, you, the contractions are getting to the point where you're, like, nearly dilated. And I'm not hurting yet. I'll probably, at that point, I think... So, so for the epidural, once you get to a certain dilation state, they're not going to let you get an epidural anymore mm-hmm. because it will take some time for it to kick in, right? So I think like at least half an hour for it to really kick in. Yeah, so you in. might give birth before. So it you kicks might give in. birth before then. So just because I'm not feeling the contraction doesn't mean I might not feel the baby going yeah, through and ripping tissue and, and ripping tissue. So I think at that point, if by by maybe like I don't know seven six or seven centimeter and i'm not in that much pain yet i'll probably still ask for one Mm -hmm. that way when i'm at 10 centimeter i'm sure it's gonna be bad and and i feel like i'm definitely gonna feel it Mm -hmm. whether you know like freaking popping a blackhead hurts so much to the point where i cry so so it's having these, <laughs> you know, like having the, like being in labor, I'm sure it's going to be like a hundred times worse than that. So I'm sure I'm going to feel the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think for me, as soon as I can get one, I will get one. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess for, for me, we'll know because like I said, there's also, there's early stage of labor and then there's active stage of labor. The early stage is when you're still at home and the contraction is going to be really bad. I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, by the time we get to the hospital, as soon as I can get one, I'm probably going to get one. Mm-hmm. So, you're worried that you don't know? No, I just want to make sure that, like, we're on the same page. Because maybe you get to the point where I was like, hey, maybe I don't need an epidural. And I'm going to be there to, like, remind you of what your game plan was to hopefully convince you otherwise. Yeah, I'm like, you don't need to worry about the confusion. I'm definitely going to need one. And I definitely will probably want one. Because like, like I said, my work here is done. I'm not. No, you you have more (laughs) work than that. And like, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I don't deal well with pain. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, So then I guess final question. Uh, We get to the point where baby's delivered. Everyone's healthy. uh, 24 hours passes and you're discharged uh, from the hospital. Like, are you ready for uh, the parents and the in-laws and the grandparents and the neighbors and all the friends to come over to see the baby? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Probably not, right? Because, I mean, you kind of need to heal. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you just push the baby out. Your 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 private area is like all messed up. You and know, and your internals. And your internal, like you still have a belly. Like the the uterus does not go from the size of a watermelon down to the size of your fist just because you just gave birth. Like it's still that size. So it's not it's so not it needs, firm anymore, but it's still there. It's not firm anymore. It's probably <clears throat> like I don't know. It's my first time, but I think it's like slightly squishy, Mm -hmm. but you still have a big belly, right? Not as big as when there's a baby in there. It's like deflated a little, but you still have a belly. So take like six to eight weeks for that to just go back to normal, Mm -hmm. right? And then for your private area to heal and stuff. And then during that time, like you need to, the baby needs to learn how to feed. Mm -hmm. And you need a rest to recover. And you need to learn how to teach the baby how to feed. So the baby, just because the baby has the the natural instinct of sucking and knowing how to suck, doesn't mean it knows how to suck milk out of you, right? Mm-hmm. So you still like the first few weeks, the first few days, weeks, whatever. Like you still need to learn how to take care of a child. Take care, and the baby like needs to learn how to feed, and you need to learn how to like put the baby to sleep, and then of course the first. I don't remember the time frame, but, like, the first few days to the first few weeks, like, it's constant feed, sleep, feed, sleep, feed, sleep Mm -hmm. for this baby, right? So, it's not the right time to see family. Mm -hmm. And I think family needs to understand that, you know? It's not about them. It's about the mom and the baby and them recovering, recovering, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But I'll probably I'll learn more about it next week because that's my next class is how to take care of a baby once you take it home. So, <laughs> so tune in for next episode. I guess this is a little bit of a, a teaser. Sure. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.